Welcome to Gapology Radio with your hosts, Mark Tinas and Brian Brockhoff. This is your leadership development podcast where they share unique insights with the purpose of helping leaders achieve their greatest potential. You can learn more by reading their books, Gapology, Imbar, and Speed of Purpose, or by participating in one of their workshops. All of this and more can be found on their website, gapology.org. Hey, everybody. Welcome to Gapology Radio. As a reminder, if you have a topic that you'd like us to, to explore on the podcast, send it into contact at gapology.org, and we'll do our best to cover it on our program. Remember that our purpose is to help leaders achieve their greatest potential, and that really all just starts with you. Um, so let's go ahead and get today's show rolling. And we have an awesome show for you guys uh, today. We have a very, very special guest joining us. Uh, Natalie Smith is the author of The Power of Plan B, Leap Into Your Greatness. And she's the founder and CEO of PeopleWise HR, which is a boutique HR consulting business operating out of the Washington, D.C. area. Her team works with small to medium-sized organizations, providing a wide range of HR support, including advisory support related to HR infrastructure build-out, HRIS implementation, training and leadership development, HR policy and procedure development, HR audits and compliance, and so much more. Head on over to her website, peoplewisehr.net, for more of her team's offerings. And we've invited her here today to share her expertise and discuss our topic of the week, which is talent acquisition. It's one of her primary services uh, at PeopleWise HR as recruitment strategy. This is where she helps organizations with all of their recruiting and hiring needs. So welcome, Natalie. Thank you very much, Brian, for that warm welcome. You make me feel special. (laughs) (laughs) Well, you are special. You are special. Thank Um, you. I have known and worked with Natalie for several years, um, and I can attest to her being very, very connected to her purpose, her mission. Uh, Her mission is really uh, advising, partnering, and delivering tailored human resource service solutions that transform employee experience and elevates organizational performance. She's an awesome person that I personally admire in a lot of different ways, and uh, we're really excited to have her on the show today. Well, I am happy to be here and looking (laughs) forward to our topic of conversation today. Yeah, well, this is definitely in your realm of expertise. So um, just to kind of lay it out for everyone, um, I think there's a bias out there that acquiring talent will just happen through any normal interviewing process. But in reality, um, as leaders, we need to realize that we really have two choices to acquire talent on our teams. One is to spend time developing it, and the other is to spend time developing a systematic approach to target the specific needs of an organization and apply that approach to the hiring process. Yes. Yeah. So building out a job description, interview guide, um, those types of things that really utilize A lot of the methods that we talk about here at Gapology, while intentionally connecting the dots with your organizational purpose, is really the most effective way to do this. Yes, Um, I would definitely agree. Um, I think it's very important to be intentional about talent acquisition, you know, from an internal perspective, as well as from an external perspective. I think many times organizations um, miss that 
your internal talent <laughs> development and acquisition is really just as important as the external searches that you may do, because quite frankly, I would say some of the best searches should happen internally first um, from many different perspectives. You know, one of the challenges with talent acquisition is retention. You know, you get that great talent. It's extremely important to make sure that you retain that talent. And it's uh, that starts really by, you know, looking internally when you are trying to look for new talent, not only from the perspective of considering an internal hire, but also, you know, one of the primary sources of talent acquisition is um, an employee referral. Right. And that starts with your internal folks. So I would definitely um, say that, you know, being strategic about the approach, the interview guide, being clear about what the job um, is going to require. You know, we talk about kind of doing that job description. Lots of times companies start out and they say the things that they're looking for, but they don't take the time to actually create that description because it's very important to think through what that job will really entail and to make sure that those job expectations are realistic. And once you get them on paper, then you know you have the ability to say, okay, you know what, this makes sense. This is really what our organization needs. These are really the skill sets and the job duties and responsibilities that this job will require. So that's important when you kind of start that search. Absolutely. Yeah, I think uh, understanding what those essential job requirements and the core competencies, core values, those elements, really need to be built into every element of the hiring process. And I love what you said with, with job searches need to start internally. Yeah. You know, I, I think a lot of times we go, okay, so who's on our team, but do they, do we really search for that talent? A lot yes. of times there's cross departmental um, talent that a lot of times we don't even think of. Um, so starting that search internally, I think is really critical. Definitely. I would have to agree with you, Brian. Yeah. And I love the retention of talent too. That's, uh, you know, I think uh, job openings happen for multiple reasons. And, yeah. you know, they always say people quit bosses, they don't quit companies. And I think in many ways, that's so true. So are we starting with ensuring that our, our team members are um, happy and satisfied as far as their job uh, career path? Um, they're receiving the coaching that they need to succeed to and to exceed expectations. Um, are we doing all those pieces up front? And a lot of the things that we talk about in Gapology and Speed of Purpose really tie to that. Yeah. Um, and yeah. I think, you know, especially with uh, COVID and, and, you know, everything we've been going through the last couple of years, um, I think this has really brought a lot of this to the surface. I would, yeah, I definitely agree. I think that I would say, you know, these things were coming um, in terms of the evolution to me of talent acquisition, human resources, really how employers interact with employees. You know, prior to starting my business, I was an employee of some company for 20 plus years, right? Wow. So I know both sides of this. And, um, I, you know, I think having had experiences over a number of years on both sides, um, now as a business owner, having to manage and see companies and direct and advise companies on dealing with employees, but also being an employee, I knew how I wanted to be treated and I knew what would keep me at an employer over the course of, you know, so many years. So I think I run those things into my business model um, in terms of how I advise clients. And when you think about pre-COVID, 
I still saw the workforce changing um, because one thing we don't talk about a lot um, is the generations in the workplace. They all have extremely different needs. And, you know, our workforce was in the, in the midst or had already really changed in terms of the individuals in the workforce and what their needs looked like. That was going to change how you acquire talent anyway. From my perspective, COVID really accelerated that. COVID really pushed us into what was already happening with workplaces and hiring and even retaining people. And, you know, the remote aspect of things um, that COVID brought to most employers, if they were able to do so, really changed um, how talent needs to be acquired, but also how you have to retain talent. Because I think one of the trends we all see probably is that now many jobs are continuing to be remote, even as companies start to bring people back to work if they were remote. That's becoming more of a norm, you know, and I think that's an adjustment employers are going to have to make. I don't see how some places will, depending on what the industry is, but I think many employers will now have to consider keeping certain positions as remote or offering that um, up as an opportunity to acquire talent, because I think that the folks that are in the workplace now are dictating really what needs to happen. Um, it used to be that companies could say, hey, I'm this company and I have all these great things. And now we're in the midst of, you know, our terminology of the great resignation. So that means now that the companies have to adjust to what uh, the employees in the workforce are looking for. And a lot of that is, hey, I've been remote and I've been performing and I've been doing this. And if I switch to something different, I want to stay remote. So companies are going to have to learn to be more flexible and learn to really cater more so to what the workforce needs are um, and interests are versus just saying, hey, I'm this company and it's great to have the wonderful mission and the purpose, but it's going to have to go hand in hand with some of the things we're talking about in terms of retaining people, because the people that are coming in, that talent you're acquiring, okay, they want to know, how are you retaining your people? Is it going to be that I'm going to be promoted or considered, or, you know, we talk about training and development and professional development. These are things companies, I think, have to look at when we're talking about the whole talent acquisition process. Along with that, job um, description, but you know, how are we gonna retain folks? How are we gonna keep them? How are we gonna attract them? Those are important conversations I think that need to happen with companies when they're thinking about acquiring talent. Yeah, oh, definitely. I think the uh, the interesting thing uh, with the great resignation, and I love that term, by the way, I think that's, that's so, <laughs> so true. I guess I haven't heard it that is. yet, but, but yeah, I think uh, absolutely. I think people now see what their value is. Yes, right? exactly. Yeah. I like the way you put that. Yes, definitely. Yeah. Definitely. Yeah. Where companies were, you know, this is the job and we expect you to fill this job. And now yes. they also see then that, you know, employees aren't a, just a commodity. It's like they are the core of the, the business. Yes. And when they look at a benefits package, for instance, um, work from home options, and not everybody wants to work from home. So offering that as an option, I think, is uh, something that companies really need to do. I I would have to agree with you. And, um, you know, along the way, one of the things that we also don't talk about in the talent acquisition process is um, sort of the interviewing process. It needs to, I like to kind of define it as the interviewing experience. Companies should really think about their 
interviewing experience, because that's one of the major factors I think a candidate will look at when they're interviewing with a company. What was my experience meeting with everyone at this company? So while we do the interview process and we ask all the questions, the experience as a whole is very important um, in the talent acquisition function. You know, a candidate wants to know, hey, how was I treated during this process? I can't tell you um, how many candidates I've talked to over my years in HR where, you know, it was a great candidate, great company, but the person said, you know what? I didn't have a good experience interviewing with this company. And that, you know, that's the deciding factor. Oh, absolutely. That, you know, interviews go both ways. So the the candidates also interviewing the company to see if this is, is this a company that I believe in their culture, their purpose, their work environment, um, you know, the people that I'm going to be working with, because you do spend a lot of time with those people. So if you don't feel that connection with the, uh, especially with your boss, you know, that, that yes. uh, direct report person, you have to have a connection there. For sure. I would definitely agree with that. Yeah. So how, how important do you think connecting the dots between um, an organization's purpose or their mission and the structure of job descriptions and then that interviewing experience that you mentioned? I think all of those are extremely important. And I want to also add that they don't have to be difficult. Yeah. (laughs) yeah. I think when you think about sort of an organization, you know, hopefully most organizations have a mission and a purpose, and that should flow into everything that company does, including the hiring process. So, for example, when a company is doing that job description, there could always be a little statement about, hey, you know, our purpose and our mission, this is who we are. How does that reflect on the paper? How does that reflect when you're talking to a candidate? So I think that should be there. I think, you know, when it comes to the interview experience, it's important to make sure that all of the interviewers are trained to some degree. And that could simply be not necessarily a class they have to sit in, but a conversation by the HR person or the person that's coordinating with candidates to say, hey, you know, as we approach this interview process, here's some important things to keep in mind. And here um, some are some specific areas that you should cover in your interview process. So, for example, if a company has, you know, three people interviewing separately with a candidate, they should make sure that that candidate isn't being asked the same questions by all of the (laughs) interviewers. So there's some planning that has to go into it, right? Because that's part of the experience. So maybe one person covers, you know, that whole purpose and mission of the organization and talks with the candidate about that. Maybe someone else covers the technical skills. And then maybe someone else covers um, the softer skills, which we didn't get to, but we can, you know, introduce those now. I think there's a balance. You know, a lot of times companies focus on, you know, the technical pieces. Let's test them. You know, I think testing can be important, but let's give them a personality test or let's make sure we ask them all these technical questions. And that's extremely important because you want to make sure the person has the skills for the job but there's a different side to it which is which are those soft skills um the emotional intelligence um you know many organizations have a a core competency of respect Um, it's important to talk to candidates about those things because actually those are the areas where you're less likely to be able to train someone and those are the areas um where if you don't hire properly um and tie those type of soft skills to your mission and your values, 
you can really have a bad hire in that area. Most times you can train someone on your systems. That's a technical skill. Most times you can train someone on certain technical aspects of a job, but you can't train someone um, to behave a certain way. And when we talk about successful hiring, when you talk about your culture and your workplace, that ties back to the retention piece. So it really all is a cycle. So when you're bringing folks in, it's important to think about sort of the technical skills, the interview process, the experience, but also those soft skills. That's extremely important. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, definitely. The uh, That emotional intelligence piece is something that it, it's hard to, it's hard to measure that during a, you know, a half hour interview. Yes, so so yes. having a structured interview process, like you mentioned, where you know, you have multiple layers, right? So there's different yes. people that do the interviews. So having people look for specific things through the yes. questioning, I think can help with that. Uh, the, and I love what you said that, you know, you can, you can train the technical skills, Yes, but it's those soft skills. Those are definitely the, dif- the difficult things. So, you know, looking for, you know, the cultural fit, uh, the, the mindset fit uh, for the team, I think, um, is definitely something you want to have layered in at multiple stages in this interviewing experience. Yes, yes, definitely. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And I think the uh, the job description, al- although it seems like such a simple thing, I think most companies overlook the importance of it, where they just, they think, okay, so what are the technical skills? And they just lay it out, where they yeah. don't stop and really think, what skills do we want, both from a hard skill and a soft skill perspective? What skills do we want that will deliver our purpose? Yeah. So do they do they define what those things are? Um, you know, in Speed of Purpose, we talk about defining a clear and compelling purpose. So do companies do that and then wrap that into the whole interviewing experience, starting with the job description and then rolling into the interview guide? And then rolling into the training of those interviewers so that they're able to take that in, that purpose and really be able to speak to it um, throughout that entire process. Yeah, I think that yes. Um, yes to all of those things and <laughs> pieces, you know, but I would say um, a job description is critical um, from an employment perspective on so many fronts. It's critical for the organization's success because an organization should have a clear-cut job description for every role. And I even encourage, when we talk about small clients, you know, I've worked with clients who have maybe five employees. Mm, I encourage them to have, to start with a job description. One um, is a great compliance tool for an organization. Um, When you talk about performance, hiring, firing, Um, It goes back really to that job description. And did you have a clear cut set of expectations for that person? So if you have to defend a position or or a um, decision, that job description really is a piece of documentation that protects an organization. Yeah. You know, also, you know, it's important to when we talk about the cycle of, you know, really talent acquisition, retention, which really goes back to retention. You start with the hiring process, having a clear set of expectations, you know, that's important for the organization's success, but it's important for the individual that you hire because that person coming in, they intend to do a great job. They intend to really come in and um, perform 
that they have to know what they're performing against. So when I have those expectations, really, which is what the job description is, it starts the person off on a, a I think a good um, foot in terms of knowing, okay, this is what the company expects from me. This is what they need me to do in this role. And now I understand how this role plays into what the organization does as a whole. So I think that's important, you know, on so many fronts. And then when you get into the retention piece without a clear job description, you know, a person often is left to feel, okay, what am I doing? Is it just that I'm going to sit here and figure it out? Is someone telling me? What does that look like? So I think having a planned approach to all of that is extremely important because it really ties into the entire, I think, life of an employee, so to speak. You know, it's going to tie back to performance. It's going to tie back to retention. It's going to tie back to decisions that a company makes about giving a salary increase or a bonus. It really like the, the job description to me is the core uh, element of an employee's life cycle, so to speak. Yeah. Oh, definitely. And in uh, Gapology, I, I love that you were talking about expectations. That's like a core fundamental thing that we talk about in Gapology. It's it's under the importance gap. It's the first uh, first step is setting clear expectations. So yes. uh, we need to make sure that the behavioral and the result expectations are set, um, clearly communicated, documented. Um, yes. And I think that documentation is um, critical to the, um, you know, uh, the accountability and corrective action and all those other things that that sometimes have have to happen. Yeah, definitely. And when we talk about also, um, you use sort of what I'll call a trigger word for many <laughs> employers, which is documentation. Yeah, uh, I am a practical HR person, and I always say I'm a different kind of HR person because I don't think that it has to be difficult, and I don't think you have to make it too complex. So. It's really sitting down and taking the time to lay out what the expectations are, what the role should look like. I think that helps everyone. So you can make it more technical and make it an exercise that takes a month, or you can really say, you know what, I'm going to dedicate um, an hour or two to even pull some folks together in the organization to talk about what this role needs to look like. So um, one of the things about my business model is I customize my support and service to every client's specific needs. So I come in to assess an organization to say, hey, your company of 10 people or your company of 20 people or your company of 50 people, and the model can be adapted, whether we're talking about a job description or anything else to the organization. I think that's really important for organizations to understand as well. Talent acquisition and your process should um, be conducive to what your organization is. So a small company of 10 or 20 or 30 people um, probably doesn't need a complex um, talent acquisition strategy relative to a company that's 50 or 100 people. So I think that's also um, an important element to talent acquisition, understanding your company and understanding what works for your company in the entire uh, process. Yeah, I like that. With uh, what works for the company is what works. You know, if uh, if you make something too complex for a small company like that, they're just not going to do it. Yes, and, exactly. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I totally agree. And and simplicity is really critical with most things in leadership. Sometimes we just yes. overcomplicate everything. Yes, uh, we do. Yeah, you know, we we try to nail down every last little little thing. 
But in reality, the, the simpler you can keep things, um, the more people are willing to actually do those things. Yes, um, I, I, to- agree. I totally agree with that. So, yeah. So what are some of the uh, best practices that you've seen out there for either the hiring process or, or maybe the training process? Uh, what are some of the things that you're, you're seeing? I think, you know, um, a lot of what we've talked about, realistic job expectations, uh, considering flexible work arrangements. Um, I think having good interviewing skills and a process and experience. Um, I think overall, just analytics of hiring, we go through the hiring process. I think you want to start to analyze the impact of your hiring over time. I think it's important to really take a close look at, you know, when you go through a hiring process and acquiring talent, you know, maybe coming back to that individual after 30 days or 60 days or 90 days to say, hey, tell us about your experience. What would you change? How can we improve that process? I think keeping track of information like that is extremely helpful to an organization building a successful talent acquisition um, function. Um, One of the other things I would add is there has always been, I think, a perception at a company that they should have lots of candidates applying for a job. Uh And I would say that's a misnomer because when lots of candidates apply and I'm a sort of, I would say I'm a skilled recruiter in that, you know, I started my career, which is 20 plus years. Um, I started the first probably 10 to 12 years in recruiting specifically. So I've hired everything from let's just say a clerical person up to C-suite, up to a CEO of hired traders. So I've seen lots of different processes and methods. And at the end of the day, it's important to understand you're dealing with a person and a human being. But, you know, when you, when you hire someone and you have 500 candidates, that doesn't necessarily help you get to the best person. So whether you have 500 or 100, the goal is to target your approach And that means you really should have fewer candidates because if I have 500 candidates, more than likely I'm not going to interview them all, meet them all, or look at all their information. You want a targeted approach because you want to get to, you know, your best candidates. And sometimes that means you start internally, you look at referrals, but a lot of times now the trend is that, you know, the passive Candidates are the ones that are probably more likely good candidates for a position. So that means over time, you're developing relationships with individuals who you may not um, actually hire immediately, but in the long run, maybe six months down the road or a year down the road, you're going to call that person to say, hey, you know, we've been talking over time and I think I have something you might be interested in. So I think one of the trends that you see, and it doesn't address immediate hiring needs, but over time, it's sort of relationship building um, with individuals so that you can pick up a phone and say within your network, so to speak, hey, there's a position um, at our organization I think you might want to be interested in. Can we talk about it? Or do you know anyone who's interested in this position? Okay. Yeah, I, I like that. I think the, um, so when you said passive candidates, that really stood out to me. And I, I wasn't sure what that meant. So thanks for explaining that. I think um, understanding that, you know, there people are, are out there and they're not always satisfied with their job. Uh, maybe it's a cultural thing, but it's it's something that's comfortable. So they're just yeah. doing that job. So so connecting with those past candidates that you maybe you've spoken to in the past. And I yeah. love the and, idea. Uh, uh, 
Oh, sorry. And I'm sorry, if I can clarify, your passive candidate is the person who's not looking for a job. Right. It's the person who's not going to apply to the job that you post. Um, it's that person that's sitting somewhere and maybe hasn't even thought about looking for something until you end up in a conversation. So they're the ones that are not actively looking for something. Those are also going to be kind of sometimes your best candidates or leads to other candidates. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And I think the uh, the leads to other candidates, that's that's what really stood out to me. Um, yeah, I suppose, you know, if you connect with good people, they know good people. You know, I've used that in the past uh, when yes. I've done uh, recruiting and things like that. Um, and so often that that's true because people who are really great performers have a network of other great performers. And yes. the reverse is true, I suppose. I, I would definitely agree. And you also asked me about trends in training, um, because I think as a part of the hiring process, maybe one of the questions that employers will get from a candidate is, tell me about your training. What type of training do you offer? That's usually a very common question employees or potential employees um, will have because they want to know what the organization does to develop them. So a lot of the trends that I see from a training and development perspective um, involve having professional development opportunities for candidates um, so that you can be aware, so that they can be aware of, you know, what it looks like, what an employee life cycle looks like at the company. Um, I also see a lot of uh, trends around micro learning, um, giving folks chunks of information versus sitting down in the traditional classroom setting for two hours or so. People need it in chunks and bits and pieces um, also, uh, video learning, um, you know, being able to see things visually um, from a computer, from a desktop at their own pace, so to speak. So those are some areas that I think are important from a training and development perspective. I know a lot of the things that I do um, are around kind of our nuggets where I can do something over a lunch session with employees or even from a leadership perspective. Most leaders don't have time to sit down in the traditional training session, you know, for two to four hours. So giving um, chunks of information um, and, and bits and pieces, I think, is more conducive um, to learning, uh, you know, nowadays. Yeah. Do you see any resistance to e-learning? I'm starting to, to hear that more and more where it, it you know, for forever we did face-to-face -face learning, we did workshops, uh, you know, training classes, and then we kind of moved to more of a virtual uh, e-learning uh, type of thing. And now I'm starting to hear more that people want to be, you know, back face-to-face. -face. What, what are you hearing on that? I think it depends on the generation, quite honestly. <laughs> okay. Right? I think yeah. there are some people who still want the face-to-face and there are some that are totally fine with e-learning. Again, I think I still see the, um, the micro learning um, works better. So if it is face-to-face, -face, I think the training is received um, better when it's in shorter pieces. So one or two hours versus an all-day training course. You know, um, but I do see I do see and hear that people want to have more connection. But I find that when I've heard that, it depends on kind of what the person is accustomed to, you okay. know, from their past or based on kind of, you know, the generation. I think, you know, your gen um, X's and Y's 
they're fine with whatever. It just needs to be short and quick and they need to get it. You know, you're more, um, you, maybe you're a baby boomers or you're a traditionalist who might still be in the workplace. They want that formal sit down of, okay, I want the trainer in front of me, so to speak. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And and the shorter, the better. I absolutely agree. Um, you know, the, the thought of sitting through a all day or four hour even uh, yeah. class is like completely a torturous uh vision for yes. me. And oh. I think uh, the the uh, the younger generation for sure, uh, that would be complete torture. But um, I, I like the bite-sized nuggets. And and the other piece is like, just get to the point. You know, I think exactly. often we, th- we think, you know, because there's a lot of talk in training, you know, about gamification and those kinds of things. And what I, what I find is that when we're doing that, most of the time, it's like, people are like, okay, let's just get to the point. What do I need to know? What do I need to do? Let me go. Right. Yeah. And one thing that you don't see, but I would say, I always encourage um, this with clients and organizations, just ask the people what they want. Yeah. (laughs) How about that? How about we just ask them what they want that way? You know, instead of going um, to a, a place where you put together this, you know, one hour training and like you said, you put all the elements in it that we know technically, the reality is um, you can just ask them what they'd like to see and what works for them. And again, each workplace will be different. Mm-hmm. And this is why I call my business people wise, because it's really about the people and Part of making things simple is to just say, instead of putting together this big process, how about you just ask them what's important to them? That way, you know, when you put it together, hopefully it's embraced and well-received because they had a hand in building it with you. And I think that's the ultimate goal um, for any organization's success. When you kind of reach over to the other side to say, hey, what is it you'd like to see? Or what is it that you'd like to see improve or for us to do differently? Anything that you build has their input in it, so they feel more connected with it. And I think that helps organizations to be a lot more successful, keeps your folks engaged. And that's part of, that's a good retention tool as well. Yeah. Yeah. The, uh, one, one of the key pieces to, to even selling is what does the customer want? And you yes. start there. So you ask yeah. those consultative questions and, and what they're looking for, what their needs are versus what their wants are. You, you do all those pieces and then you construct a sales pitch or a product or a service or whatever based on that. And I, I don't think it's much different when it comes to training and development um, or, or even consulting when you're working with different leaders. What, you know, what are the needs out there? Uh, yeah. What are the desires out there? So let's formulate a, a strategy based on that. And, exactly. and yeah, I love that as people wise. I think that's uh, I think that's genius because really it is. You, you have to step out of the norms, the the things that have always been done, uh, to create the things that really work. Right. Yeah, and it's interesting to see. I would like to say that I was forward thinking. I think that when I came up with the name. I went through the exercise of thinking about some of the things we're talking about today. What's my purpose? What is the mission of my organization? What do I do well? I think I I can connect with people well and um, build relationships. But now you see the title HR director or leader changing to people chief officer, Right. right? 
Yep. And that's a sign um, and a trend um, that organizations should understand that really your organizational structure has to be built around the people that you have. That's just the reality today. If you don't do that, I think it's going to be hard to keep folks engaged and you're going to get pushed into this marketplace of acquiring talent, which you don't necessarily want to have to be in right now. So I think it starts with thinking about what's important to the people of your organization. And sometimes, guess what? They're going to give you probably some things that you don't want to hear. But if you don't hear them, um, then I think you get thrust into this market of having to acquire talent when you maybe don't have to. And that can be very costly to an organization. So from a, you know, the perspective of thinking about the financial impact of acquiring talent, that's why the retention piece becomes very important and knowing your folks that you do have and taking care of them becomes extremely important. Yeah, yeah, definitely. So uh, looking at the programs that you offer, um, what are some of the um, like programs that uh, would, would fit for some of these things? Uh, if there's a potential client out there listening, what are some things that you can promote uh, that, that you guys do? Okay. Well, primarily my business um, is a remote business. So we can provide support to a client anywhere really in the world, so to speak, if it can be done remotely. So I, although we're headquartered in Washington, in the Washington DC area, I don't want anyone to think that we're limited to that area. We can do things outside of DC. In terms of specific um, services from a recruiting or talent acquisition perspective, we do function as a outsourced um, talent acquisition uh, department so we can sort of source and identify um, talent for an organization but also we can come in and help them to build a strategy around talent acquisition you know that is conducive to that organization we can help build the job descriptions we can help put together the recruiting strategy uh, we do full life cycle recruiting so that means you know sourcing screening uh, going through the interview processes providing interview resources. So we can help with the full life cycle recruitment effort um, as an advisor, but also in actually conducting the search for an organization. Okay. Yeah, that sounds great. And so something I was thinking of as you're describing that, so this isn't just for small businesses. I think there's a a lot of benefit for large organizations that have always done things kind of the same way to infuse um, some fresh ideas and just kind of an outside perspective. Yes, definitely. We can provide advisory support. I mean, the reality is um, there's a shift. The old model, and I think when we think about life in general, right, the way we all used to live is different and it's um, evolving and changing. And COVID did some of that. I think it was life was changing anyway. I think it um, is the same for workplaces. The old model I'm sort of a more, I think, um, advanced person from an HR perspective. I don't look at things in the traditional sense. Um, I look at um, things in terms of what works within this organization. When you look at these employees, what are they asking for? What do they need? And that's different for every company. But overall, I think, yes, it's important to look at things differently. Most HR folks know that, you know, the world is changing, which means workplaces have to change and adapt to the world. And that's what's happening right now. So I I love having these conversations and providing this advisory support. But even sometimes it's, you know, folks stepping outside of your right, their norm to say, hey, what's going on and what do you think we could do differently? And take a look at our process and and tell us kind of, you know, what's not working and what can we 
but what can we do differently to be more successful in this area, not only from a talent acquisition perspective, but from an employee engagement perspective. You know, I think that employee engagement is going to be extremely important as we all move forward um, in, in life. Oh, yeah, I love that. Employee engagement is one of those, it, it's, it was kind of a buzzword a few years ago, but I think that's so critical. You know, we think about employee satisfaction, but that's that's only a piece of it. It's yeah. are they satisfied, but are they engaged? And yeah. I think there's a lot of things that we can do as uh, you know, human resources support consultants, um, but as as leaders in general. So, if if you were to give uh, the listeners maybe uh, one or two things that they could do today that could transform their talent acquisition process, what would that be? What do you think? I think one thing that employers can do today is ask their employees how they're doing. (laughs) I love that. Right. And um, really listen and think about what they can do to help them. Um, So, you know, it could be a general question at an employee meeting, being open to some of the difficult feedback that they might hear. But it doesn't mean you have to resolve those things in the moment or at that time. It's just the listening piece that I think is important to a lot of individuals and a lot of employees, whether they're working remotely or whether they're in the office, just ask the question. Love that. I think that goes, I think that goes a long way. And then number two is really, if you do that and you get some feedback, just pick one like what, what do they still call it low hanging fruit? Yeah. <laughs> pick some low hanging fruit, right? <laughs> to say, you know what, we heard you and this is what we're going to do about it. Um, I think, you know, that goes a long way from a talent acquisition perspective. Um, You know, that is, you know, something you can do internally, but it's just looking at your process and some of the things that we've talked about during the course of this podcast, you know, look at your, the interview experience, Um, you know, talk to some of, you know, the folks that you have um, already hired or recently hired and ask them to give you some feedback so that you can improve your product. That alone improves your process immediately. If you talk to some recent hires about what their experience was, it will give you some, I think, critical information that you can probably turn around and, and easily change to make the overall process a lot better for your organization. Yeah. Love that. That low-hanging fruit, I think, is critical. So often, I think employees, first of all, they want to be heard. So asking those questions and then really listening to it, but then taking that information and, and acting. I, I think a lot of times we hear, we say we're, we're listening, and we do, but we really don't do anything with that. So acting, and, and if it's that low-hanging fruit and celebrating the things that that we're doing, um, it, it shows that that you care. And that emotional connection is uh, critical for employee engagement. Yes. And may I add one more thing? Yeah, please. Many times companies think that the things we're talking about is just an HR responsibility. Yeah. <laughs> really a leadership mm-hmm. responsibility across the board. And um, in terms of trends, I see a lot of organizations outsourcing um a lot of functions outside of HR, it could be it could be operational functions or technical functions, which frees up leadership to then focus on the people. And in all of my work over my 20 plus years, I think that has always been a challenge for organizations because leaders tend to be obviously very busy. 
And then they think the people aspect, okay, well, HR does that. It's really a partnership with HR, you know, from a leadership perspective, because many times employees don't, they don't want to talk to HR. They think there's a problem when HR comes in, Yeah. <laughs> right? They want to talk to their boss, you know, the person they're really working with every day. And so it becomes a partnership that leaders have to have with HR. HR provides the tools and the resources and the guidance generally. Yeah. Um, you know, in partnership with HR, you know, the leader has to execute on those tools and those resources because they're really the ones that have to have the relationship with the employee for it all to work. And I would say that, you know, where leaders understand that they play a role in the success of an employee. Um, yes, there are HR processes, but it's really a partnership and working in tandem to really support the employee experience overall. Yeah, definitely. It, you, you, it, and it's similar with the training world. So that's kind of my background, right? So um, if you don't have the partnership with the leaders, the operational leaders, um, with HR is going to always struggle. If yes. you don't have the partnership with with the leaders from a training perspective, you're always going to struggle. They have exactly. to support the things that you're going after because you know we really have that mindset of people first. Yes. And operationally, they usually have sales first or whatever yes. the, the goal is. Whatever brings money to the company. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. It's, it starts with people. So yes. so it all really needs to, to be connected. So so thanks for throwing that one in. I, I love that. Um, sure. All right. So um, last thing, I just want to um, give you an opportunity to just share where, where can our listeners find you? All right. Well, first, thank you very much for having me on your podcast yeah. today. I've enjoyed this discussion. Um, so if people can find me on my website at peoplewisehr.net. Um, there is a button on there where they can contact me. And then they can find me on pace, Facebook, I'm sorry, at Peoplewise Human Resources or on Instagram at peoplewisehr. Okay, perfect. Well, yeah, thank you so much for, for joining the, the podcast today. This is really refreshing. And as, like I mentioned, it's kind of a training guy. I love talking to anybody in HR. I think we're kindred <laughs> spirits and yes, uh, this is, uh, you know, just a, a great conversation. So, so, and we'll yeah. absolutely get you on a future call. I've got several topics that I think uh, your expertise would, would really help. So, so I, I appreciate it. I'm looking forward to it and let's take care of the people. Let's do it. Let's do it. All right. All right. Thanks, Natalie. Take care. Thank you. Bye-bye. Yeah. Bye. Okay, that'll do it from here. If you want to get in touch with Natalie and her team, head on over to her website, peoplewisehr.net. And for more information on Gapology, MBAR, or Speed of Purpose, head on over to our website, gapology.org. Everybody have a fantastic week. We'll talk to you soon. This has been a Gapology Institute production. Visit us at gapology.org.